It's been a blessed time in the presence of the Lord this morning. Amen. I, uh, <laughs> I, I was a little delayed, but it was great to, uh, to hear the worship on my way, on my phone. And then when I walked into the house, um, if you're watching online, <laughs> it's, it, it's no comparison to what's going on in the house. Amen. But we thank God that his presence is here and that his spirit is here. Amen. Bless the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This morning I'm going to be speaking to you from the topic, Jesus Christ the King. Jesus Christ the King. We are entering into the season of Advent and... uh, through my work, it's helpful for me to uh, understand and, and, and work with the Anglican calendar. And this Sunday, they celebrate this special Sunday, Christ the King Sunday, as, as the prelude to uh, the Advent services. And it's important, it's important that we uh, celebrate Christ the King at this time. And I'll, I'll come on to that in a little while, but I want to give us a backdrop of where we are. In the pastor's prayer this morning, he prayed so many of the things that have been on my mind and on my heart, um, especially in preparation for this service. We're in interesting times. Paul described these times to Timothy as perilous times. Over the past two years and longer, the world has undergone changes, the likes of which we've not seen in our generation. Governments and scientists have tried to get a handle on the coronavirus, but it seems the adaptability and changeability of the virus leaves them continually, continually floundered and perplexed. Across the globe, issues around vaccine hesitancy have led to governments taking what some would consider draconian measures to either exclude, coerce or mandate the vaccine hesitant. The global pandemic has intensified global issues such as cuts to the international aid for countries in need, culminating in a lack of support for people, people experiencing humanitarian crises. Countries such as Afghanistan, the Yemen, the Democratic Republic of Congo, Venezuela and Syria, just to name a few, are still undergoing great humanitarian crisis on top of a world pandemic. A couple of weeks ago, world leaders met in Scotland to discuss the real threat of climate change and struggled to come up with an agreeable and proportionate plan of action. Just this week, we've heard lots about a migrant crisis. I believe this is better understood as the movement of displaced peoples seeking to find safe and normal lives. In all of this, governmental scandal is still rife. Members of our own parliament having to answer poignant questions about conflicts of interest between their governmental roles and private work and additional incomes. We're still living in the settling dust of the Windrush scandal in the UK, which has cast looming shadows over prominent politicians, shadows which many feel have not yet been properly investigated and the perpetrators not yet brought to justice. This year we saw nefarious parties 
some closely linked to the former President Trump staged an attack on Capitol Hill with a view to overturn democratic process in one of the most influential democracies in the world. In response to the changing global situation, we've seen super-rich moguls such as Branson and Bezos or Bezos and Elon Musk take greater interest in space exploration, possibly with the grandiose view of starting again and creating a utopian society somewhere beyond the stars. But let's look closer to home with the issues facing the everyman, with the rising costs of living, increased taxes, the rising costs of fuel and energy. We have 2.5 million people accessing food banks here in the UK. Pre-COVID statistics showed that we have a homeless population of 280,000 people in the UK. That's one in every 200 people experiencing homelessness. The divorce rate as of 2019 was 42%. That's a statistic of 42% of marriages ending in divorce. This has a huge impact on families, the family unit, and young people in particular. One in six young people between 5 and 16 are diagnosed with mental health issues, with around 80,000 young people being diagnosed with depression. And if you understand how hard it is to get mental health services to work with young people, we know that that is just the tip of the iceberg. In the work I do at the YMCA, we're seeing increased issues of young people coming to us due to family breakdown as a result of gender dysphoria or gender reassignment. The issues that we see in the world around us are real. And church, we need to have an appropriate response We can't close our eyes to the things that are going on around us. But we need to have an appropriate response and a God-led, a God-given hermeneutic to communicate the gospel in the midst of all of these issues and difficulties. The world is in a state of unrest. It's in a state of uneasiness. Again, these are described in scriptures as the labor pains. When things get desperate, people look or seek for desperate measures. Perhaps when we look at all of the issues, and those are just a few that I've mentioned today, maybe we can see that a stage is being set. The stage is rife for a leader to come, to take the world stage and bring a vision and a mandate to bring peace and consolidation to all of life's issues. As we approach this season of Advent, we align ourselves with the hearts and the thoughts and the eyes of those first century Jews who were in a place of oppression. They were hard pressed on every side. They were being oppressed from within and without. They were under the oppressive occupation of Roman rule that saw for them increased taxes. But not only increased taxes uh, coming from the Romans, but the very people who were there to collect the tax were also taking their cream off the top. 
Did somebody say a second job, a second role, a second governmental role? Bribes for, 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 for uh, lobbying and politicking and voting. They had regional rulers such as Herod who were just out for their own fame, for their own name, for, for, for their own reputation. And the religious leaders were just as bad heaping upon the people rather than a a God that is a God of grace and a God of love and a God that desires to be in relationship with them but heaping upon them uh, um, more religion, more religious observances, more uh, um, uh, rituals and laws and rules that they had to abide by. These people were oppressed. These people were feeling shut in they were feeling enclosed maybe they were feeling a little bit locked down for all their leadership structures and for all their religious observances something was amiss they had many instructors but few fathers they had many exploiters but no liberator they had much activity but no peace I believe at that time, they more keenly leaned upon the words of the prophet Isaiah than ever before. And from Isaiah 9 verse 6, we read about this, um, about this Messiah that would come. If we could put that on the screen, Isaiah chapter 9. Hallelujah. In fact, let's read the whole text from Isaiah chapter 9. Bless the Lord. Hallelujah. But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. The former time he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time he has made glorious the way of the sea and the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. Let's just stop there on verse on verse 1. What it's saying is that these people who were... Uh, who were oppressed, who had gone through some things, that there was going to be a change in their situation. There was going to be a transformation in their situation. He has made glorious the way of the sea and the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. Verse 2. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them a light has shined. The times that we're living in are pretty dark. They're pretty gloomy. They're pretty depressing. But a light is being shined. (laughs) A light is being shined from the halls of glory. Hallelujah. Let's continue reading. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest. As they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff of for his shoulder the rod of his oppressor you have broken as on the day of Midian for every boot of the trampling warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire what is this saying it's saying that their oppressors those who have taken them over those who have come into their land and taken them away those who have led them captive those who have killed their sons and their daughters those who have put them uh, into slavery and into oppression their time will not last forever but their rod will be broken there is a 
change coming. Hallelujah. (laughs) For unto us a child is born. And to us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful. Counselor. Hallelujah. Mighty God. Everlasting Father. Prince of Peace. Let's continue. Of the increase of his government and of the peace and of peace, there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Amen. Here we see a people who have undergone oppression, a people who have undergone occupation, a people who have undergone uh, uh, um, oppression and difficulty coming from without and within, people who have undergone the most heinous of of, of things. And and this is Isaiah prophesying. (laughs) So they don't even know what is to come. They've not even been through this yet. But Isaiah is saying at the end of this period of persecution that you're going through God is about to bring forth a change and this change is going to come in the form of a leader I know that you had the judges and and, and the judges came and whilst the judges were there you followed me and you went to me but as soon as the judge died you went back to do what was right in your own eyes and I know you had kings some good kings and some bad kings and some that led you into idolatry and some that led you into falsehood and you played the harlot on every high hill and under every tree but I the gracious God once your oppression is over I am going to bring a ruler above rulers a ruler whose heart will be for you and his name shall be called wonderful his name shall be called a counselor what does that mean he will care for your issues he is concerned about the things that concern you he is touched by the feelings of your infirmities he is a wonderful counselor he is a mighty God that means he is sovereign there is no ruler there is no regime there is no regiment that can stand above him but it is God incarnate the 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 almighty God the all-powerful God El Elyon El Shaddai God in person Emmanuel he is coming hallelujah wonderful counselor mighty God, everlasting Father, no longer just instructors, no longer just people telling you what to do, what to do and what not to do and forcing you into this and forcing you into that and lying to you and telling you what they want to hear, but he will be a father and a father to the fatherless and a friend to the friendless and a house to the homeless and food for the hungry and clothes for the naked and drink to the thirsty hallelujah hallelujah and he shall be the prince of peace you see the world is the world is looking for peace I believe that Bezos and 
and, and, and Branson and all those guys, they're seeing what's going on here on earth and they're making preparations. <laughs> they're making preparations. They said, Sister Shana, they said, one sweet day, I'm going away. I'm going to leave this world no more to Rome. But they're not singing the same song that we're singing because man in his own intellect is trying to create this utopian society where there is peace and everybody believes the same thing and everybody thinks the same thing and everybody is uh, according to the line but everybody's got a different opinion of what that peace looks like everybody has a different idea of what that peace looks like so we're left in the same situation as the children of Israel were where every man is doing what's right in his own eyes but this king will come (laughs) and he will be the prince of peace I know you have desires for peace. I know you have longings for peace. And some will say that they want peace just because it's politically correct. Just because it, it works well in terms of their PR process. Some will, some will, some of those leaders engage in the climate process conversation because it looks good on their PR uh, um, presentation. <laughs> And how they're presented to the world. But this king will be, will be the prince of peace. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Verse 7. Hallelujah. And of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. <laughs> of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice, with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. This king will have a government. (laughs) This king will have a, a leadership and a rulership that will continually increase. And what is it? This government are not all gonna have their own ideas. And they're not going to be about what it is, what, what can I get out of it and how much can I squeeze out of it and how much can I rub and how much can I steal and how much can I sweep under the rug. But this government will be aligned with the thinking of the king. Hallelujah. And, and I want to tell you this morning that if you're in this house and you name the name of Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you are in a government that is increasing daily and continually and eternally. You are governmental people. So we, 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 we can't just, we can't just, uh, uh, uh say what we want to say about Boris and about Priti Patel and about all these people, but we need to understand who we are. <laughs> We need to understand who we are. We are government officials of the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom that reigns above every other kingdom. The kingdom that reigns above every other government. And of the increase of this kingdom, there will be no end. Hallelujah. 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 This is a word to the Jews that on the throne of David, God's not going to pull someone from outside of Israel to come and rule and reign over them. But he's going to be a child born to them, a son given to them, a son of the soil, one out of their own loins, one out of their own lineage. And in the line of King David, hallelujah, King David was a man after God's own heart. (laughs) 
Hallelujah. In the lineage of this King David to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. And the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Can you imagine the comfort that that brought to those people who were oppressed from within and without, that were hard pressed on every side, but for this reason they didn't have to be in despair. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. They were cast down, but for this reason they didn't have to be destroyed. Why? Because they had a hope. Because the God of their ancestors, the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob had made a promise to them that the trouble won't last always. That what they're going through wasn't going to last always, but that he would send a king. (laughs) That he would send a king. And we know the story. This is why we celebrate Christmas. You've, this is, this is one thing where we can, where we can confidently say that you, you, you have a good grasp of this story because you've been to the children's nativities and you've seen, uh, the, the, the plays and you've seen how Mary the Virgin b- became pregnant with a baby and the angel told her that this baby wasn't born of, of, of the normal, wasn't conceived of the normal way, but he was implanted by the Holy Spirit. And Mary became pregnant, and Joseph, her husband, you can understand the perplex, the perplexment of him that this woman who I am only engaged to, who I have not known in the biblical sense, and yet she is pregnant. And, and the Bible says that he, he, he had mind to put her away, but an angel visited him and said, The child that Mary has is the Son of God. And his name shall be called Emmanuel, God with us. And you shall call him Jesus. You shall call him Jesus. Hallelujah. And when he was born, the host of angels sang and they called the shepherds, those that were forgotten, but those that were playing a vital role for the community. They called the shepherds to come and worship him. And he was born in a stable because there was no room for him at the inn. That's, that's the story that we hear. There was no room for him. There was no room for Jesus to be born. That the world with all of its room and all of its spaces and it creates a space for this group and for that group and for this people and for that people and for them and for those and for they but they had no room for the savior of the world but he is born in a stable but it makes sense that he's born in the stable why because he is the lamb of god hallelujah born before the foundations of the world slain before the foundations of the world he is the sacrificial lamb the final atonement the final sacrifice that would be sacrificed once and for all and then it says that they placed him in a manger a manger is not a moses basket (laughs) but a manger is an eating trough for the animals hallelujah The king of glory, not able to be placed even in a baby's cup, but he was placed in a manger. But it makes sense that he was placed in the manger. Why? Because he was the bread of heaven. (laughs) Because he was the living water. 
because he was the one that said your ancestors ate of the bread that came from heaven in the wilderness and they died but if you eat of this flesh and if you drink of this blood and if you drink of this water you will never thirst again you will never hunger again because I am that which the prophet spoke about I am he said before Abraham was I am This is the king that we are about to go into a season in anticipation for. Advent isn't just something where where we can just pop a chocolate in our mouth and eat chocolate for breakfast and not feel too bad about it. It's not just a, a, a calendar that we give to our children, but it is an anticipation of this king who is coming and bringing peace and righteousness and goodwill and deliverance and breakthrough and wholeness to the whole world. That's who we're waiting for. That's who we're anticipating. And the Bible says, as I said, he grew up like a tender plant. The gospel says that he he grew in in stature and favor with God and man. And then we, 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 we glimpse him when he's 13 years old, talking to the scribes and the Pharisees and uh, communicating at a level that no child should be able to communicate at. His knowledge of the scriptures even confounded the scribes and the doctors and the teachers and the lawyers of the time. And, 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 and his parents were traveling back to, 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 to Nazareth. And Mary realizing after a few days, because Jesus would have been with the, with the young people, the older people would have traveled together and it would have been a big, you know, a big kind of community thing. Remember back in the day when we used to go to Brighton and we used to get on the coach. Yeah, we used to get on the coach and, you know, and, and, and somebody would bring their bun and their cheese and their huddle bread. Why am I talking about food? But it was a, it was a whole communal thing. And, and the thing is, is that even though you'd come with grandma and mum or dad, you'd sit with the young people at the back and the, and, and the young adults would, would be there somewhere in the middle and the older people would be there at the front hallelujah and and so it was kind of like that that Mary knew that Jesus would have been safe he would have been with the young people but it took a couple of days for her to realize after seeing the groups of young people maybe pass them and 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 go by them a few times she realized that Jesus was not amongst the crowd of the young people and they had to go back to Jerusalem They had to go back and they found him having these conversations with the lawyers and the doctors. Imagine he'd been there for a few days. (laughs) He'd been there for a few days. Hallelujah. And and Mary kind of takes him in hand because he's her son. And she says, "What, what are you doing? And he says, didn't you know that I need to be about my father's business? And the Bible says that Mary kept all these things in her heart. She kept in her heart what the angel had declared to her before Jesus was born. She kept in her heart how the host of heaven sang for him at his birth. She kept in her heart how the shepherds came and worshipped him. She kept in her heart how they had to flee uh, 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 to, to, to Egypt to avoid the scourge of Herod. And the wise men came and they visited them and they brought gifts of gold, frankincense and myrrh. Gifts fit for a king. Gifts fit 
for somebody who was about to undergo a, a, a burial, gifts fit that were appropriate for the embalming of a dead body. She kept all these things in her heart saying, what does this mean? But all it simply meant is that this was the one that was prophesied about. This is the one that Isaiah and Daniel and Ezekiel and, and, and Hosea and all of the prophets had spoken about. This was the king that God would send to bring peace to earth. So we see him then at 30 years old meeting John the Baptist in the River Jordan. And John says, I can't baptize you, Jesus. You should be baptizing me. But Jesus said, it's fitting that this must be fulfilled. This has to be done. I'm doing this as an example. And he was baptized. And as he was baptized, as he rose up, a voice came from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And the Holy Spirit descended upon him like a dove. For those who think that God is just, you know, it's, it's different manifestations at different times and don't believe that he's three persons eternally existing. Hallelujah 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 that here we see the voice of the father we see the person of the holy spirit and we see the embodiment of the son all in the same place at the same time confirming that this is the godhead in action this is god come down this is emmanuel god with us god on earth and the bible says that once he was baptized Hallelujah, he went into the wilderness and fasted for 40 days and 40 nights and was tempted of the devil. But he came out of the wilderness in the power of the spirit. And he comes into the synagogue and, and, he, and he's asked to read the Torah. And he reads from the book of Isaiah. And he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. We know that text well, but can I just take a moment just to break it down? This king would come with good news. Good news, good tidings, an answer to all life's issues. Is anybody looking for some good news today? Does anybody think the world needs some good news today? Good news to the poor. An impartial king, not just looking to his own interests, not just to make a name for himself, not to line his own pockets, but one who truly cares for the poor. Not just the poor financially. But indeed the poor in spirit, the hungry, the thirsty, the naked, the destitute, to heal the brokenhearted, to those who have lost hope, to those who have been let down, to those who have been mistreated, to those who have been abused, to those who have been forgotten. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. To proclaim liberty to the captives. To set free the oppressed. To set free the addicted. To set free those stuck 
in, in, in detrimental cycles of self-harm, whatever that looks like, whether it looks like drugs, whether it looks like alcohol, whether it looks like sex addiction, whatever it is to proclaim, hallelujah, liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. Yes, this speaks of physical healing because he did that. He healed the blind, but it also speaks of a spiritual healing. Those that are blind to their own sin. Those that are blind to their own brokenness. Those that are blind to the fact that they need a savior. That he would open their eyes. (laughs) And when he opened their eyes, he would be the one standing in front of them. With arms wide open, ready to receive them and accept him as their own. Hallelujah. But the blind also speaks of those who can't see a way out of their situation. Those who are depressed. Those who are cast down. Those who can't see a way out. But Jesus would come and give renewed vision. (laughs) Renewed hope. Renewed insight that life offers more. To give them life in all of its fullness. To proclaim the acceptable, sorry, to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. (laughs) The acceptable year of the Lord wasn't just, isn't just about a year, (laughs) but it's about an entrance into a new time frame, an entrance into a new age, an entrance into a new testament a new promise hallelujah hallelujah that this is the year of the lord's favor he was speaking about an eternal jubilee i can't i'm not going to go into you the, the the details of what jubilee meant but jubilee was an important thing for the israel but it meant the captives being set free it meant the lust returning home it meant land being restored to its rightful owners it, hallelujah it even meant land rest hallelujah hallelujah this is what this king would bring this is what we're anticipating in this season of Advent. This is what they were anticipating in their season of Advent, waiting on this promise. And years and years had passed since the promises had been given, since the prophets had spoken, since the words had been sent forth. And maybe some, in fact, definitely some believed that it was never going to happen. Some believed that this was never going to come to pass. These were the promises of the children of Israel. The children of Israel are the people of God. (laughs) So what I'm saying to you is that the people of God had lost hope and had lost confidence in the promise that God was going to do what he said he was going to do. And even... To this day, imagine the the, the children of Israel, they they were excited about all of these things, but they believed that this king would come and overthrow every government and every oppressor that had power over them. So they were expect, when, when, when Jesus came, they were, they were looking at him. Some of them were looking at him with the side of their eye and saying, 
could this be the Messiah? I'm not sure. But they said, okay, well, we're going to wait. And we're going to see. <laughs> and we're going to see, is this the one that's going to overthrow the Roman rulers? And is this the one that's going to put the, the, the religious rulers back in their place? And is this the one that's going to overthrow Herod? And it didn't happen. See, we, 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 on the, on the ramp to Easter, on the Sunday before Easter Sunday, we celebrate Palm Sunday. And, and, and Pastor was talking about Hosanna as he prayed. And on Palm Sunday, what we see is Jesus' triumphal entrance into Jerusalem for the last time in, 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 that we see in the gospel accounts. And the people are throwing down their garments and they're throwing down their cloaks and they're taking palm trees and they're waving them and they're saying, save now, save now. (laughs) Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And they're, and they're, 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 some of the people, they had come to the conclusion that yes, surely this is the Messiah. We've seen him heal the sick. We've seen him open blind eyes. We've seen him set free the oppressed, those that are oppressed by demons and, 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 and spirits and all of those types of things. We've seen the scriptures fulfilled. But as Jesus goes into Jerusalem, they're expecting him. They've lined the road. They've lined the path for him to go to, 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 that, to, to Pilate and to go to where the leadership is. And Jesus walks through uh, the triumphal entry. And when they think he is going to go left to overthrow the powers that be, Jesus takes a right. And Jesus doesn't take a left to assume his throne here on earth but he takes a right to assume his place on the cross to assume his place as the lamb of God remember I said he was born in the stable the lamb who came to take away the sins of the world the final sacrifice see before the prophecies were able to be fulfilled he had to be the atoning Jesus See, the problem with the world is that the world would be okay with Jesus if he was just the triumphant Jesus. Jesus, If he was the one that they could kind of uh, put their flag to and kind of assuage their status with and say, I'm with him. Yeah, you know the one who overthrew Pilate. You know the one who overthrew Rome. You know the one who overthrew Herod. The one who came to Jerusalem on a white horse and threw out all the powers that be and made everything right. They'd love that Jesus. This place would be beyond full. (laughs) And every other church in the city and every other church in the nation. But before he could be in the eyes of the people, the triumphing Jesus, he had to be the sacrificial lamb. He had to be the dying Jesus. He had to be the king on the cross. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He had to be the king on the cross. He had to go to Calvary. Why? Because without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. Because God takes sin so, so, so seriously that the only thing that can, can atone for sin is blood. 
And we know that in the Old Testament, a system was set up. So the blood of goats and the blood of bulls and the blood of lambs could appease the wrath of God. But they had to offer those sacrifices continually. But Hebrews tells us that this Jesus, this king, this priest, both the priest and the sacrifice, went beyond the veil. Hallelujah. Went beyond the veil and offered one sacrifice, which was himself once and for all. That on the cross, Jesus, as his arms are stretched out and pierced with nails and his feet pierced with nails and his side pierced with a spear and his back beaten and a crown of thorns placed on his head and, 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 and a, a message over his head saying, here is the king of the Jews. As he cries out, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, my Lord, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He is still the king on the cross. Because he is going through the point of sacrifice. Philippians tells us that he had to humble himself to the point of death, even the death on the cross. Hallelujah. But the songwriter says, that's not where the story ends. For three days later, he rose again. Hallelujah. That's love. That's love. That's the power that this Jesus has. <laughs> I've said it before and I'll say it again. Nobody you know has ever borrowed a grave. But Jesus said, let me borrow that tomb and I'll give it you back in three days. Guaranteed. <laughs> Hallelujah. All your money back. <laughs> Glory to God. Jesus died for our sin, taken on our sin, our shame, our wickedness, our evil tendencies, our addictions. He died and took them literally to hell. He bore them upon him and he bore the wrath of God. And he was placed in a tomb. And the stone was rolled over his grave. Even by this time, the, the Romans who didn't believe in the God of the Jews, they were worried that maybe somebody was going to uh, cook up a plot to take away this body and say that he was arisen. They were concerned. But they couldn't stop the hand of God moving the stone away. They couldn't stop the angel coming down and the men that were guarding the tomb fainting at the very sight of just a glimpse of glory. And Jesus finishing his task like a good carpenter left the death shroud and took the 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 the, the the, the cloth that had been placed and wrapped around his face and folded it up and put it in a corner in the same way that a carpenter would fold his working cloth once he'd completed his work and said it is finished it is complete it is complete but here we are church here we are in the season where Jesus has come He's died. He's been buried. He's rose again. He showed himself to the disciples. He, he's ascended on high. And yet we're still seeing the issues that I mentioned at the start of the sermon. You see, the story is still not over. <laughs> it's not over yet. See, 
on the cross, Jesus declared, it is finished. <laughs> and sometimes a thing is finished, but you still need to do all the working out. My, my son Gideon, he, we've been doing a lot of maths with him recently. And he's very bright with his maths. And I'm asking him certain questions. And I, I'm saying, Gideon, what's this? And he's telling me the answer. But I'm saying, Gideon, how did you get to that answer? And he's struggling to tell me how he worked it out. And in, when, you get, when Gideon gets to an older age, he's going to have to show his working out. Church, can I declare to you that we are in the time of God showing his working out. He's saying, I've completed the equation. <laughs> I've completed the equation and I've got the correct answer. Upon the cross, the equation was completed. It is finished. But now we are in the time where God is just showing his working out. And the darker the world gets and the more desperate the world gets, God's glory is showing himself off that even in a time of darkness and even in a time of despair and even in a time of persecution, I have a government whose increase will be of no end. I have a people set apart for myself that no matter what they go through no matter what comes upon them ah, God has said of you and I just like he said of Job have you considered my servant for 2021 have you considered them for 2022 devil throw your best at them but they will not turn their backs on me why because I have given them a promise that I am coming again Hallelujah. So beloved, when we see the madness going on in our world, it's not that we close our eyes and pretend that they're not happening. It's not that we opt out of our responsibility to be good stewards of the earth. I've heard some Christians say, well, what's going to happen is going to happen, so we don't need to worry about climate change and we don't need to do anything about that. No. God gave us stewardship of this earth. So we have to do our part to ensure that it's well stewarded. But regardless of all the issues, regardless of all the issues, we understand that God is showing his working out and Jesus Christ is coming again and he's coming for his own. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And John... The revelator, the one who laid his head on Jesus' chest, the one who was amongst the disciples, <laughs> the one who saw him on the Mount of Transfiguration. He said, now I saw heaven and behold a white horse and he who sat on him he wasn't dishonest and impure. He wasn't secretive and out for his own gains. He wasn't there to boost his own PR ratings, but he was called faithful and true. And in righteousness, he judges and makes war. <laughs> See, some people, we want, the, we want peace without war. This world in a desire to create this utopian society has done the very opposite and created a, dyst a dystopian society. Hmm. 
His eyes were like a flame of fire and on his head were many crowns and had a name written on it that no one knew except himself. He's the all-knowing God. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood and his name is called the Logos, (laughs) the word of God. And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. That could be one of you or one of us if we go before this time. Hallelujah. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, that with it he should strike the nations. And he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. (laughs) That sounds scary to be ruled with a rod of iron, but not by this king. That means... That means judgment is right and it's exact and it's immediate. Can you imagine that somebody did something heinous? I'm not even going to say to you, but something heinous to a member of your family. And you know, it's clear the evidence is there. All the evidence has been collected. You know they did it. You know what happened. Yet you're awaiting this judicial system. (laughs) You've got to wait for justice. And even when justice is done, it feels empty. This week we, we saw the, uh, the verdict on the Ahmad Aubrey case. And those men found guilty of murdering Ahmad Aubrey. But still there's an, there's an emptiness. Still there's a, it's not quite... It's not quite what we thought it would be when, 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 when uh, the murder of George Floyd was sentenced. I don't know about you. I was more relieved than I felt that this case had been vindicated or justice had been brought. Is that, is that just me? But here we have Jesus ruling with a rod of iron. Exact and immediate punishment for those who it should be exacted to. And it's just and it's right. And he himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of almighty God. And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written. King of kings. And Lord of lords. Church, we are not, we are not awaiting a nice meal around the table with a turkey with our families and to be around loved ones as nice as that is. We are not awaiting the latest present that we've asked for. We're not awaiting the Boxing Day sales or anything like that. But we are anticipating, we are entering into the season of anticipation, the season of Advent, where we're anticipating a king who one day will make all things new. Because although it is finished, God is still showing his working off. God is still showing his working out. God is still showing his glory that even in this time and this season, that he's able to keep, (laughs) that he saves, that he keeps, and that he satisfies. This is the king that we're awaiting. This is the king that we're anticipating. This is the advent that we are awaiting on. So church, if you're excited about the coming of your king, if your heart has been renewed with hope, just stand with me and let us just give God some praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, crown him. 
crown him with many crowns. Hallelujah, the lamb upon the throne. Crown him for he is the conquering lion of the tribe of Judah. Crown him because he is king of kings and lord of lords. Crown him because even the afflictions that you are going through at this time are temporary. Crown him because we reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory which will be revealed in us. Crown him because he's coming back again. He's coming back again. Went away, but not to stay. He's coming back again. Glory. Hallelujah. He's coming back again. Bless the name of the Lord. Hallelujah, Sister Grace. Bless God.